Hello and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. That clipped so bad. My God, man. What the heck? Uh, you okay? No. No, I'm okay. never okay. Just wanted to be sure if this, you know, because if you were okay and doing that, I'm just like, okay. Did, it's like, does a dog bite your Achilles, you know, <laughs> a tendon or some no, shit? No, I'm just being bizarre and weird because I can. And it's for those, well, by the time this one drops it will be at the end of uh october we're doing this in the end of september and i'm really excited for halloween this year mm. wait that's every year but well yeah i mean I, i've already got most of my costume put together i haven't even started yet well I, and for uh and for zippy's costume all right Zippy's costume is consisting of black fingerless gloves, a pair of black shorts, a white tank top, blanks, black suspenders, um, probably he's, black combat boots. Tifa? Yep. <laughs> I love it. He was misty last year, and I was Snorlax, and I already have a Buster Sword. So the <laughs> only thing I'm waiting on is the uh, already got the rib tank top and the Hakama pants. Nice. I got combat boots. All I need is that shoulder piece. Nice. I already, I've had the Buster Sword for years. I got that because it was just kick-ass looking. Yeah, that is so, fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's disturbing. We let's just put it this way: it's like, yeah, it's because of our size and our and our heights and you know our, our ratios is like, but we end up cross playing. Damn well, and I have no idea why that is. Well, it happens. Yeah, I'll send you pictures. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you find us on social media, I may post them there as well, too. Cool. So look us up there for social media. Way to get in contact. Yep. And I'm sorry, you get to see me. The sword I have is 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 five feet tall. So, yes. so it's as tall as you. That's the point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so all of this talk of Halloween aside... We are going to be diving into locales for this episode. And they're kind of a thing that you you have to have in games because they're more than just like those those backdrops. They're also places where, you know, you can have PCs that are pushing the characters to do things from. So we wanted to, at the very least, hit a few different locations that could yeah. maybe spark interest or spark ideas. And that's kind of how I would like to approach all of our locales when we do this. Even when we do the final, like I don't want to have too many things that are, you know, perfectly 
given stats infinitum. No, but the the thing is like, look, it's like if if you were thinking of a of a spaceship, okay, if you think like Star Trek or something like that, you know. Also, there's, you know, engineering, med bay stuff like that, you know, stuff that you would actually have like, you know, on a on like a freaking aircraft carrier, submarine, or yeah. you know, ocean liner, something like that. So at least for me, I tried to come up with stuff that. You know, it makes sense and it works, but, um, you know, it isn't the stuff you normally would expect. Uh, because honestly, everyone would think, you know, of engineering or, or engine room or, you know, uh, the bridge slash navigation. Yeah. At least that's kind of how I went with that because, you know, there's a bajillion and one, you know, references for expected stuff. Yeah. So. And just warning, folks, as in last time, uh, Zen and I haven't coordinated a damn thing. We never So knew. we have no idea, also, if we each did something exactly the same. So if we did, hey, you can get <laughs> the same location from two different viewpoints. Sure. Which is or awesome. Or it could, yeah, or it could be, you know, it's like, if you want to think of the Titanic, hey, that could be the first class and the other one's third. Right. Yeah, there's tons of ideas for stuff like that, and those would exist. So, well, since we seem to be yeah. already kind of starting to, let's go ahead and dive into them. Yeah, and I, I, I give you my words that I'm not a biter. I didn't steal a damn thing. I just hope he didn't do it. I'm sorry. After what happened last time, I'm scared to death. No, it was awesome. We've like played off of each other. It was, it was yeah. well executed. So, yeah. All right. Well, I went first last time. You go first this time. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Okay. So printing bays. The printing bays are a series of places that have 3D printing bays. Duh. They can print anything from plastic junk bobbles all the way to parts for the ship. It is possible if the materials are present to print any part of the ship. The printing materials are growing and by growing i mean you can start doing more than just what you would expect like plastic maybe some aluminum there's also some concrete as well as some ceramic now recently they've been able to do a few other materials that the eden has run across since being out past the kuiper belt the bays stretch a big section of the area near the habitable section that is close to the outer shell of the ship. While it is a big section and capable of creating huge things for the ship, it is still bound by the greater needs of the ship. So corners have been cut, steps forgotten. So now the shielding is suffering because of it. This has been how the printers are one of the first groups to show signs of mutation in the gene lines. In the early days after the ship first deployed, it was a place on the ship that was almost constantly running to keep up with the demands of the crew. This is also why they have lost the least knowledge, at least until recently. Oh, God. You son of a bitch. What? <sighs> All right. This is this is third on my list. <laughs> and by the way, your 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 thing is 
fucking brilliant. I love, love it. Oh, God, it's creepy and eerie. I love it. <laughs> it wasn't it, meant it, to be, that, though. No, but in that kind of a, you know, little things can change. Little things can mod. Little thing, You know, it's the unknown unknown of how things get changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. But here is... Uh, uh, you magnificent bastard. Okay, I'm going to go out of order because of what you just did. You brilliant bastard. I love it. All right, cool. Go for it. Prototyping. After researching countless simulations, an idea gets physical form in prototyping. This is different from the fabrication bay where tested and approved designs are made on an as-needed basis. Originally, the space was used to build and test new tool designs, basic repair solutions, and improvements for the ship. Over time, though, the scope of the prototyping lab expanded to include integrating Terran technology with alien technology. This carries an elevated risk since resources are scarce and the alien tech may be destroyed during the prototyping and testing. Not only that, the various fabrication machines may be damaged trying to integrate or modify alien tech with our own. Standard procedure requires that each part of the fabricators have a replacement on hand. However, these replacement parts have a tendency to, bunny rabbit ears, walk, pilfered by less scrupulous individuals. Thanks, Jazz. And even though the lab is under constant monitoring, the user must confirm that all spare parts are present and accounted for before and after using the lab. They also must test and calibrate each machine before and after prototyping, even the machines they don't use. Any variances and anomalies must be brought up immediately. Honestly, the ship's armory has less security than the prototyping lab. And it's become terrifyingly apparent over the years that the prototyping lab is vital to the continuing survival of Earth's remaining organic life forms, since survival itself is predicated on adapting, evolving, and overcoming. I love it. Like I said, it's like this is Yeah. You know, it, that was kind of cool though. It's, it's it's like like I said, it's just like the art fabrication. I came up with prototyping. They use similar tech but different functions. So yep. of course they would be their own. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. That would I love it when that happens, but it's kind of like how the hell did that happen? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I have mentioned the printing bays quite a few times. Because mm -hmm. I love the idea that on a ship like this, you wouldn't need to take all of the things. You would need to take the knowledge of how to make all of the things. Mm -hmm. If you have 3D yeah. printers that can print things like metals and ceramics and the various other components without having to rely on the old school technology of like, you know, like for ceramics, like baking it like that's just seems ineffective yeah you you make it on an as-needed basis yeah. and you keep a backup just in case it's like hey if you're doing something it's like i don't know if i need two or three hooks screw it i'll make three hooks you know what i mean right so all you'd need is like the stl file or or whatever the uh whatever that printer is. or fabricator yeah. yeah so yeah exactly mm. yeah but the, the thing is like i said you and i operate on uniquely uh I, I would I would say kind of harmonious wavelengths where they're they're in, they're in parallel. They're not the same, but they're in perfect parallel moving. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna jump out of order for mine because I like this idea for this next one, and I really want to save the last one for kind of a 
a cool thing. So go for it, go for it. Navigational subbridge one. Subbridges are in fact in several locations on the ship, mainly since the ship this size must have issues or might have issues. So people created redundancies for some of the critical features of the main bridge. Also, each subbridge has a low functioning AI to network with the main bridge's AI. This creates a way for information to be passed quickly, even if the main bridge comes back up or goes down for good. Well, the main bridge has the best of the proper stations, like navigation. The subbridges do not get the second best. They get a very low-ranking person who knows how to do what needs to be done here. The nav subbridge one is a perfect example of this. The best five navigators are on a rotating shift for the main bridge, and the next five are on this bridge. The second nav subbridge is the five lower than subbridge one. So you see, this is a rapid loss of skill and knowledge. The bridge runs usually on a bare bones crew because there hasn't been a need to have a full crew going in all of the time ever. There are even times when it's empty. So it could be a way to have a villain mess with things on the ship. More of these things will come later, though. Damn, dude. <laughs> I like it. Well, I figured this thing is a generational ship, so you can't have just one massive AI and one massive bridge because departmentalization is a thing. And you compartmentalize yeah. so you become really good at doing certain things and you don't need to have everything super central. But if every single navigation bridge or sub-navigation bridge is then feeding its information back to the main bridge, you'd have a really well-maintained and properly flying ship going where it's supposed to go. But as you saw, you don't have that. I like it. <laughs> Damn, dude. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, but, mm, you know, it just, uh, I, I just <laughs> think it's really cool because it's like, it's, it's like, it's essential. It's, te it's techie, but the thing is like, it, you know, it's the thing is like, it's also another vector for things to screw with things. Yeah. And I love that you actually brought that up rather than just detailing, this is cool and they can do all this, but you know, but you also brought up that, and by having this, here's the risks inherent. Yeah. And because it is left empty from time to time, you know, I like it. I, <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, by bringing it out, I, I love that. And it's also because the whole ship as we determined is working on a skeleton crew. Yeah. You know, they can't, you know, you know, it's like, okay, you can pick the, the super important things is like, okay, yes, you know, the armor would be under like 24 seven, um, you know, certain material, you know, you can understand that yep. being under, but 
with this one, it's just like, all right, well, if somebody goes in there, why would they go in there? Uh, we probably have monitors on it. Doesn't mean it can't be bypassed. Right. So I, I love it. Thank, thank you. I, I love that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's kind of reminds you of almost like spy movie sabotage stuff. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. okay. What do you got? Sense depth. The rigors of space travel definitely have an effect on the crew, both physically and psychologically. The medical team, driven by necessity, worked with the engineering team to build a set of zero-gravity sensory deprivation pods. These pods are attached to the outside of the strip when not in use, and when active, the pods are, quote, dragged behind and to the side of the ship. The pods are tethered to the ship with an umbilicus cable that powers and supplies the pod. The pod's simple design reduce shielding surface area and lead-infused carbon nanotube construction materials offer supreme protection from cosmic rays, micrometeoroids, and the three-degree Kelvin uh, vacuum of space. Also, the pods are engineered to be filled with a limited selection of liquids for additional therapeutic-slash-medicinal effects. For example, saline, water, or a healing biomaterial suspended in hydrogel. Away from the artificial gravity of the ship, these pods can provide a sterile, isolated environment for risky surgical procedures, usually robot and AI-assisted, or post-injury convalescence. These pods also serve as a sensory deprivation tank to provide necessary psychological treatment. And they've also housed various scientific experiments from time to time. These pods also have extra shielding to stop random high-energy particles from fully penetrating the pod, keeping the technology and the occupant inside safe and unaffected. Currently, if you have heard stories of astronauts, they have, they'll close their eyes and see random flashes of light. Uh, this is high-energized particles striking the back of the eye. The shielding prevents that. And as of late, the pods have been used as makeshift bunks for extended EVA jobs and ship repairs. While initially conceived to function as an off-ship therapy pod and medical theater, SenseTep has become an indispensable location to many of the ship's various roles for an infinite number of purposes. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. I like them. Now you mm -hmm. just have to have somebody that wants to get rid of somebody and cuts one of the umbilical. I mean, nothing. Mm, point. <laughs> but the the thing is that the one thing I was thinking is like, okay, we want Sunstep. And then I remember I was watching, um, I, I was, oh God, it, it was like some kind of like uh, uh, on the uh, ISS space station. It's just like, okay, weird stuff that happens that you don't have on Earth. And it's like you close your eyes and it's just like, okay, high energy. Uh, particles will actually strike the retina and they'll be your eyes are closed and you just get these random flashes of light so i'm like all right we have to make sure because you know here on earth you got the sensory deprivation stuff mm. yeah but there is like okay we'd have to make sure it's like okay carbon nanotubes with um kind of lead infused okay because lead usually stops that stuff right yeah so i was like all right that might work yeah you just have to find a way <laughs> to do it 
Yeah. That is cool. So, but that was the thing I wanted because everyone's like, well, why would you do that? And that was the reason because I had just watched this documentary on that like a couple days ago. So I was like, oh, God, I got to make sure I, I address that because otherwise I kick my own butt for forgetting it. Sure. That's cool. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's not what one yeah, would expect. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I wanted to have something that was part of the ship, but dude, we're in space. Let's have some zero G stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of zero G. Oh, oh, talk, oh, talk, oh, talk. Asteroid KM5719, or at least what is left of that rock, is caught in the wake of the ship. It's being mined and used up for everything that it can supply to the ship. It is just too big to bring into the biggest bays, at least for now. That is going to be where it sits soon, though. Mining on a rotating and speeding rock is dangerous at the best of times, and these are not those times. The center of this rock, though, is something both new and scary. Inside the center of this rock is the degenerated form of life that is not something humans would classify as life. It is liquid-like, more like a non-Newtonian fluid that is starting to wake up from its slumber in deep space. The after effect of so much motion on it is what is going to end up waking it up. The rock is one of the few things that is not capable that it is not capable of melting. There might be more, but since no one has seen this life yet, there are many mysteries. It looks like a silver fluid once the shell holding it breaks and it leaks out into the ship. Maybe sections will fall to it. Maybe it will die from contact with humans. Only time will tell. I'm I'm uh, I'm getting kind of horrible premonitions of Terminator Two. Uh you know, possibly? it's like okay, it touches and then becomes a biomimic. Uh, well, I was <laughs> thinking more like it would probably consume. Yeah, <laughs> but still, that was. Damn, dude. I like I, like I said it, neither I don't think either of us uh you know, aside from just the the, the fabrication and, and prototyping. The thing is like though each of our targets it came up with just they kind of are the same flavor even though they're different things. Mm-hmm. Cuz of my last one and uh-huh. I think you'd appreciate this one. It's called The Quiet Room. No matter where in the ship you happen to find yourself, there's always some kind of background noise. The thrum of the engines, the small electrical fizzling sound of debris being vaporized against the shield, the mild creak of the ship's superstructure during velocity changes. However, there is one room in the ship that is absolutely bereft of sound. No ambient ship sounds have ever entered this room, and it seems that no sound escapes the room into the ship proper, and no one knows why it's there. Folks just call it the quiet room. 
The schematics of the ship were partially corrupted during its emergency launch. But this room's existence is indeed deliberate. The placement is definitely strategic. The distance ratios between critical areas of the ship and this room have also been seen in orbital harmonics, the golden spiral, and some well-known Pythagorean triangles. However, the captain declared that investigating the nature of this room carries too great a risk. The standing orders are to leave the room alone except in the most dire of circumstances. No one wants to risk running a tensile strength scan, which triggers a harmonic resonance that tears the ship apart. So the materials, the construction method, tolerances, and so forth are unknown. So the quiet room still remains an enigma. This has given rise to a plethora of rumors, superstitions, and theories. Some have a more scientific nature, like the, the room being a sort of universal vibration dampener to prevent constructive interference. Others have a more esoteric bend, like the space being haunted by the souls whose voices have been silenced. Whatever the true nature of the quiet room is, the crew, either out of safety or superstition, gives it a wide berth. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I with that with that noise, I didn't know if you were laughing or kind of like <laughs> you know no. making that kind of like pseudo vomity sound. Oh, no, like I've got ideas for this room. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, because uh, you know, I'm like, I got to think of like spaces on the ship, you know, but I don't want to go like, and and Zip came up like, well, what about a room that no one knows what it's there for, but. And because there was this uh, uh, on Kyle Hill's, I think, uh, YouTube channel, he went into like their, I, I want to think it's IBM or a camera, a camera or 3M. No, I think it was 3M where they have, it's like the most quietest room in the world where like the only sound you hear is like your own heartbeat. Uh, yes. It's actually, um, yeah. It's, know, it's, it's like negative like it's, decibels. It, it actually isn't. It is perfectly zero decibels and And it is yeah i actually did like i i did like a deep dive into like acoustics and stuff at one point and yeah i ran across that it is the quietest room in the world Mm -hmm. so we were kind of like you know chit chatty ish talking about you know and he's just like all right what because the thing is like in almost everything, there's always something you always have to worry about, uh, what they call constructive interference. If you think about, you know, waves and stuff like that, then you have one that's like, if you have two sine waves that are exactly the same, you put them over each other, they double. Yep. And it's called constructive interference. And he's like, all right, what if you have a room that is pretty much, it looks like it's stopping all types of, you know, things that could, you know, so from vibrations and and sound and light and gravitational waves, this is like the ultimate damper. But is it the ultimate damper or something like that? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, he comes up with the idea with like he'll just say like one thing and, and kind of like an idea behind it. And I was actually very very good with uh with waves <laughs> when I did physics. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh crap, I know these. Yeah. So, yep. like, like I said, he, he is the, the most ultimate when it comes to that cool stuff. That is cool. And I am glad you like that one. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to do another one of these. And we're just going to keep, we're just going to tack on a few more 
different locations with the next episode because we kind of need to have more than just the five or six. We need to come up with a lot more or at least a few ideas for stuff. So we're going to do at least one more of these. And then we will probably move from there into something else. I think we're going to talk about music soon. Music mm -hmm. in a game like this. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty proud of myself at uh, coming up with some. Um, now, here's the thing with music. Are we talking about making up music like... Um, like for no music I, specifically I, to draw inspiration for these types of like for Eden ship. Okay. So current, like current music, we could listen, we could just pull up on YouTube. Yeah. You do know, huh, I already have four songs ready for that one. Good. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually have the, it, I have playlists. It, yeah. Same here. So Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've been doing yeah. tons and tons of listening to stuff while I write. So. So yeah, here's the here's the thing. It's like I, I Zen and I will each also create a, uh, you know, our own playlist. We will put the playlist like on YouTube or something like that, and you know, and we'll provide the links in it. So that's something cool we can look forward to. So you yeah. can get like this is the cool stuff that we listen to. Oh, and by the way, I do have, I think it's still the MP3 file of the, um, for, it's the Star Trek The Next Generation uh, warp core noise that just like, that that <laughs> looks, it's all it is that wonderful thrumming. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very subtle. It's wonder. It's, oh my God, it's some of the most amazing white noise. So, you know, I'll probably put it up. I'll probably send it to you so you could pop it up there too because okay. it's just, you know, because the thing is like just having that as you are running the game, If you even if you just want to have that, okay, other work, I don't want to say otherworldly, but the, the more, okay, you are not on earth. Yeah. You know, this is constantly in the background. So, and I'll be honest, I can fall asleep to that thing. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and then... Damn, dude. I hope we are as in sync next time, too, because we've hit two for two. And like I said, we're like on the same wavelength, but different things. Uh -huh. So like high fives and question for the for the next. Are we trying to stick with um, on and kind of like around the ship sphere of influence um, uh, for locations? Or did we want to have like one? OK, this is a a. You know, like a debris field or we a like weir one, one weird thing. I was thinking I like one, one weird thing. Weird thing that's not necessarily inside the influence of the ship at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, all right. So pretty much uh, two things like on within the ship's sphere of influence um, and, uh, and one weird cool place. Yeah. That's outside. Okay. Yeah. Because that would be awesome. Yes. So. All right, so that you have something to look forward to next week, folks. Uh, um, uh, we hope you we hope you are excited for it. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're just going to start social media. 
We have a Discord. We have Kofi. We have Patreon. We have we have Twitter. Twitter. We have not just Four Seeds of GM, but uh, Zen, myself, and uh, Gardemanger. We still miss you, dude, and love you. Can't wait to get back. Um, you can find us on on Twitter, or you could find us <coughs> on uh, or Seeds of GM. You can contact us there, and on you know if you got and I if you got anything you'd want to say, suggestions, ideas, or you know, if you've got a place on the ship that you think would be a really, really cool thing, let us know. Because, like I, like I said, if I, Zip came up with the idea of the quiet room, and I'm like, that's something I never would have thought of. But I'm like, oh, I like it. Yeah. Boing, and ran with it. Yep. And we can so, do that. And obviously, you know, if you if you throw something our way like this, we will be more than happy to, you know. Shout you out, give you credit for the idea, everything. So, please don't don't be strangers. Come find us. We like to talk. Yeah. I mean, we do this. <laughs> we do this talking yeah. podcast. So yeah. Yeah. Um. <sighs> so yeah, we are. We're here. We're we're loud and. We talk about I games. think you and I are a little bit more subdued today, but I think it's kind of, I guess in a weird way, kind of mentally digesting. It's like, oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. Yeah. It's awesome. It's amazing. We're, we're, we're in sync, but it's stuff I never would have thought of. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I'm kind of like going, okay, how can I use this and do this? And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of ideas now. But closing out, <laughs> um, what do you got? <laughs> cult of the lamb okay Yay. so pretty much oh yeah this mm, this is probably one of the most screwed up and disturbing games i have played in a long time but pretty much it is a it is probably one of the cute you, you play this super adorable cute little you know lamb um that gets sacrificed in order to prevent this horrible prophecy, but the evil demon lord that's the center of the prophecy revives you, and in pretty much you have to start a cult in his name. So it pretty much becomes a roguelike dungeon crawler combined with a resource management. Um, you know, it's like, oh, feed your cult members, feed your, you know, build a church, hold rituals. <laughs> And it one, it is the cutest. Oh my god, these guys are adorable. But That's it, funny. you know, so you have to. And the thing is, like, you know, sometimes one of your followers become disillusioned, becomes a heretic. So you have to, you, you know, you can either sacrifice him or throw him in jail and uh, re-educate. Oh yeah, you must re-educate. That just goes without. Or saying. Or you sacrifice them and. The thing is, as you go on, you get like extra resources, or you know, and as you you pretty much have to defeat these these um, these other you know kind of like old go- uh, old religion bishops. Nice to uh, you know, so you could free the god that you know revived you after you were decapitated. <laughs> and there's there's a whole bunch of adorable like little mini games. There's this neat little uh, dice game where it's like you roll the dice and. You know, you, there's like a three by three grid, and if you have them set up, if 
you put your dice where in the exact same place where the bad guy has their the, your opponent has the dice, not bad guy opponent has the dice. That dice is removed. Okay. So how you have things stacked can give you multipliers, and it's a lot of fun. Nice, you know. But it, it's you know you see this adorable little uh, you know lamb kind of like you know doing like the whole like you know boppy squash uh, squash and stretch kind of movement, yeah. and then all of a sudden you know you see it open up a book, its eyes go you know red, black crown appears on its head, it goes, it's like head kind of tilts back, and you see like this demonic portal. <laughs> see this other little cute like narwhal or fishy or kitty just go right through it, and it's like oh my god, that's funny. You you will lose you will lose a lot of time to it, but uh, yeah, I I liked it because it's just probably one of the weirdest like, what the heck? Yeah, that's fun. So what have you? So what do you got? Uh, horrified, um, which is a okay. So if you know me, you know that I'm not normally a board game person, but apparently because my my wonderful wife has started working at the local game store and they basically say if you want to rent one of our games yeah you can rent it for free so we have been playing board games so that my wife can speak with some authority on whatever game somebody asks her about so we started and we played this game called horrified and basically what it is is it's a co-op board game where you hunt down and kill the monsters of the universal pictures. And I think you can play with like up to eight people. And you can call up like all of the universal monsters. So like the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like there's a ton of them. And... Um, it's, it's fun. We played it with my, my 11 year old daughter and she totally figured it out in like no time. And cool. yeah, it's, it's like super rules light, which makes it a lot easier and makes it a little more fun. So you're not spending 45 minutes trying to read a 60 page game book on how to play a board game. So the only time that the only time I like it where you, where it's a 60 page book where it's like it's a little bit of rules but each chapter it actually has a cool short story explaining stuff. I like that. Yeah. But that's the only time it can be 60 pages cuz like I'm reading a novella. Yeah. Where the actual rules are like 3 pages. Yeah. Now that's different. The, a lot of these though are like it's 65 pages and it's all rules. Those are the ones that I'm not a huge fan of. But I, I keep toying around with the idea of getting more board game stuff because I'm that kind of a fool. But uh, I'm also always on the lookout for, for cool science fiction stuff, and that's kind of where I'm landing. <laughs> um, oh, F oh, okay, sorry. I'm, I'm just looking at the box for this thing, and it's it's horrified. And the the kind of byline is the stakes have been raised and now, you know, the thing is like Dracula's right in the middle. Uh huh. So I'm just like, oh god, okay. My, my that's why my mind went there. Yeah, it's fun. It is. Yeah, fun. but the artwork, dude. You didn't tell me the the yeah. art. It's simple, but the artwork is very. 
It's clean. Yeah, it kind of reminds you. It's like, wait, wait, is that Nosferatu in the back? It might be, but I don't think that he's in there. But like, there's like all kinds of characters. Like, uh, there's all these like. I'm not gonna. I see Wolfman. I see the Invisible Man. Yep. Frankenstein's monster. Mm -hmm. Redfield is one of the like uh, characters that you're trying to save. Really? Yeah. Like there's Dude. different characters that are in it that you're like trying to save. Like I can't remember uh, the girl in Wolfman, but Crap, like she remember. is, she's one of the characters that's in there that you're trying to save. Like because they come up throughout the game as you're playing, and like if one of them dies, then the because all it, all the monster has to do is be in the same area with them, and it immediately kills them because they're not special they're just kind of side characters mm-hmm. but every time they one of them dies it raises the terror rating and if the terror rating gets all the way up to like eight then the monsters win okay the, so I, it's fun right, when we do and i when we you and i see each other next at a convert we gotta play this oh this looks spiffy no as no hell. i have the horrified american monsters which is all cryptids and I'll bring that right? one. Well, no, dude, just bring both because I don't have that. Right? I'll, I'll I, buy. W- I haven't bought Horrified yet. We just rented it and played it. So no, but it's it's so. Uh, oh, and and by the way, you know, Vic, I, I've got a here's here's my Halloween joke for you. It's like Victor Frankenstein goes to a bodybuilding competition. I don't think he understand what they were looking for. Nope. <laughs> all right folks i think we're gonna go ahead and get out of here on that note so So, uh, thanks so much for spending time with us we appreciate it so you know let us know if you got any cool ideas for places we'd always love to hear them so until uh next episode my friends have fun roll some dice and play some of our games. <laughs> Bye-bye, guys. See you soon. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter. Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.